job, guys. Morning, everyone. It's good to be back in church again. It's good to be back and see everyone's faces. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into the sermon this morning. And it's not the same passage from last week, but it's a little similar. It's another parable given by Jesus. It's in Matthew chapter 13, starting with verse 24 through 30. And then I'll read Jesus' interpretation of the parable that he gives in verse 36 through 43. So Matthew 13, verse 24. We read, he, that's Jesus, put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then we skip down to verse 36. Then he left, this is still Jesus, then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. This passage is all remind us that timing is everything. There, timing in our world means so much. If, if you're a painter, if you paint a second coat over a job at the wrong time, well, it's just going to ruin the whole job. You know, or if you take cookies out of the oven at a wrong time, it's just going to make a mess of the whole thing. Timing is important. Our text this morning confronts us with a question about timing in the kingdom of God. The servants in the parable see evil in the world, and they come before the master asking if he wants them to root them out. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, and and I, 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 maybe I'm speaking just for myself, but uh, and I'm thinking throughout history, or maybe the bad rap or maybe the honest rap that the church sometimes gets, 
Whenever we see evil, and evil is very apparent to us in the world, our gut reaction is, okay, do they need to get smoked? Do they need to get whisked away? Do you need to gather them all up and get them out of here? And we, I even remember that time where Jesus is going from town to town trying to take the good news to them. And you remember that passage in the Bible where he got to Samaria and they didn't want him. They, they sent him away. And remember, I think it was James and John that said, hey, Lord, you want us to call down fire from heaven and, and wipe out these Samaritans because of what they just did? And the Bible said that Jesus rebuked them. It didn't say what Jesus said, but in that moment, it also brings a reminder to something that Jesus said, where he said he didn't come to condemn the world. He came so the world might be saved through him. And that is a wonderful reminder and a check on me when I find that when I'm ready to judge others, I've failed in judging myself. Because if I am not the worst sinner I know, I have not even yet to begin understanding the depth of my sin. And, and someone, I heard this saying, well, someone who has been forgiven much forgives much because they know how much, they, how much patience they need, how much grace they need. And oftentimes when I think, ah, oh, that's just awful what's going on, I then have this quick thought, or maybe the Holy Spirit brings this quick thought to me, is how patient has the Lord been with me? Oh, infinite. <laughs> He's been so patient and has done so much grace. Or maybe when I'm too hard on my sons, when I'm ready to lay the hammer down on them with something, I then think about me growing up. How much patience did my father and my mother have with me? Oh, infinite. At least that's, I'm remembering a lot of things I got away with that I probably should have gotten more bludgeoned with. A few things to notice about the servants. If you notice, they were asleep when the evil one came. The passage didn't say the master was asleep. It said his men were asleep. Their first thought, and we just spoke about this, the men's first thought was to get rid of the weeds. At least they asked the master if they should get rid of him instead of just going and doing it. Why was this their first response? I mean, some, most, sometimes, like I was saying, many of us Christians do the same thing. We see evil amongst us sinners, unbelievers in our midst, and our gut thought is, oh, they got to go. As if we have it all together we're our, with our righteousness and purity. But here's the reminder. Apart from Christ, we are all just as vile and hopeless as they. Apart from Christ, we are nothing. The only value that we bring to heaven's courtroom is the truth and the faith that Christ died for us. And the master's response is puzzling. Oh, and here's another thing I want to point out. Weeds, and I didn't know this, so I heard someone say it, Weeds look like wheat until it's time to harvest. Did you know that? So you don't know what's what until it's time for the harvest to strike. So weeds and wheat will look very similar. And so if we go around trying to pick apart and pick and say, hey, who, this person, this person, you don't know. We don't have the authority to judge and say who or what is not someone who God is working on. 
or who, who that this person is in and that person is out. We can know what Scripture says. We know what Scripture says, faith in Jesus Christ, that's what does the trick. So if someone rejects that, then we can have a good idea, but give room for the rest of their life. Have patience and mercy just as much as God has had patience and mercy with you. The master's response is puzzling. Certainly the master recognizes the evil of the enemy. Certainly the master sympathizes with the workers and does not value having weeds growing in the field. But the master knows that until the end of the world, there will always be this mixture of good and evil. Rooting out evil may, now may damage the growth of the kingdom in the end. Remember, timing is everything, and you and I are not the ones keeping time. God is. So he asked the servant for patience and trust. Patience as they endure the mixture of good and evil in the world. And trust that in the end, God will render righteous judgment over all things. But living in patience and trust is very difficult. On the one hand, patience could easily lead to condoning evil. Since good and evil exist together until the end, we say, why even bother calling out evil in the world? Just let God take care of it in the end. When we think this way, the proclamation of the law is silenced. That is not a good thing. Because only the gospel can silence the accusation of the law. Only the gospel can silence the accusation of the law. What I mean by that is that only the gospel of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins can shut the law's mouth when it accuses me. Why? Because according to what Christ has done, I am credited with the righteousness of Christ as a gift that he gives to me because all of my sin was transferred over to Christ. When when I am accused, when the law accuses me of who I am, or even when the devil accuses me of who I am outside of Christ, of course I'm condemned, rightly so. But there is no case against me and against you when the accusation comes to us of who we are inside Christ. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. On the other hand, trusting God will render his judgment in the future could easily lead to a premature enacting of God's judgment now. Why wait until the end, we say? Since the kingdom of God is certain, let us give the evil people what they have coming and fix this world once and for all. When we think this way, the proclamation of the gospel is silenced, and that's a bad thing. If all we hear is the condemnation of the law, do more, try harder, do this, do that, and encouragement is good and right, but if we're always getting the bad news of how we need to be better and never the good news, we're stuck in hopelessness. We're never given the good news of the gospel. There will be never room for the good news of the gospel having the final word, and it does. Jesus calls us to follow a difficult road. We are to be patient in the presence of evil and trust God will render judgment in the end. What does this look like? I would say it looks like the preaching of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This preaching does not condone evil. No, it recognizes evil and calls people from it. Yet the preaching does not enact the final judgment on evil. Instead, in the face of such coming judgment, it calls people to experience the present mercies of God. The church forgives those who repent, baptizes them, and welcomes them into the kingdom 
where they continue to live in the midst of evil in this world. And ultimately will live in the mercies of God eternally at the end. We are living, I think I said this last time, in a cancel culture. In a cancel culture, the church has a unique mission. We do not condone sinful behavior. The church has and will continue to call sinners to repent. But the church does something different than what the culture does. If you notice, if, if uh, cancel culture will go and dig up everything and find out that you're actually an evil person, that you're a sinner, we all are, but the, the, cult, the culture will go and find something, that's, that something that someone has done and they'll want them removed, erased, eradicated from everything. The church does something different than the culture here. The church has been called to forgive. There is an actual offer of forgiveness. The problem with the cancel culture is that it leaves no room for repentance, no room for absolution, no chance for change, and no possibility of growth. We, the church, have a unique power and command from Christ himself that when we hear and we see someone say, have mercy on me, a sinner, or I need forgiveness, we know the good news. We can deliver that good news to people. We can tell them, hey, based on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of all of your sins. Christ has done this. Because of Christ, the church does not cancel people. It calls them with the law that brings about repentance and speaks to them. The gospel that brings about new life. And it is not our job to check and see who are the weeds. Our job is to tell the good news to all. God will sort things out in the end. That's his job. Through this message, God governs his kingdom at this time. We live in a world where evil and good are mixed. The experience is infuriating and it can try your patience. But canceling some will not save others. No. Proclaiming salvation is the way God works in this world governing it by repentance and grace until the day when evil will ultimately and finally be destroyed. In, in the cancel culture, Christians live by a much larger picture. Because of Christ, even though who have sinned and are repentant are not canceled, they are spoken to with words of grace that give life. And I'm going to end on this. Jesus Christ was canceled on the cross for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. And because Christ was canceled for us, God will never cancel us. We are forgiven of all of our sins because Christ was crucified for us. More good news. God has the power to change weeds into wheat. God has the power to do that. We all start out as weeds. And because of what Jesus has done for us, he changes us into what we need to be. His action for us. All his work. And it's such wonderful good news for someone like me, who sometimes I just don't know what to do or how to do or how am I supposed to do this. To know and to hear that comforting message from Christ that, hey, remember, I paid it all.
Now, I pray that any, everyone in this room today, through hearing of my voice and hearing this good news, that will encourage you throughout this week. And listen for that person who's struggling and confessing and may need to hear some good news and deliver it to them. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Tell you, that's a, th a timely word in season. Uh, remember Jesse, still in hospital, uh, also in our prayers as we leave today. Uh, Jesse, is there any other prayer requests anybody would like to give me because we're going to close in prayer? Any other prayer requests, please? Yes. Is that a V or a V? V. A V? Velma. All right. That's uh, Joy and Bill's friend, Velma, in the hospital. Needs a miracle. Any more? Hallelujah. Anybody else? Yes. Sorry, Wada. Who, who did you? Shauna. Shauna's starting a new job in a medical clinic. She needs our prayers. Any others? Keep her safe. And also remember Uzziah um, and also uh, Sandy Spear. She's doing a tremendous job behind the scenes and taking care of Jesse. So remember her, please. Also, she needs a car. If anyone knows of an inexpensive or, or a good used car, let us know, because uh, we would like to, to help her if we can. Her car is its last legs. So, praise God. If you know of anything, let me know. Sorry? Okay. Yeah, which one? What's his name? Okay, praise God. It's Judy's son-in-law in hospital. Is that it? Right, let's just take a moment. Let's all stand together. And uh, the guys are going to, uh, to show you the way out, all right? And you can just drop your ties in the basket in the way. Hallelujah. Sorry. Yeah. Amen. David Martin needs a job. Praise God. Let's, let's join together. Stay where you're at. And the guys are let, after we finish praying. All right? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this great congregation. We thank you for every home that's been represented today. Lord, we pray that as we leave this place, we'll not leave the same way as we came, but wonderfully changed in your precious name. We thank you for everyone's desire to come to your house, to meet with you, and to sit at your feet this morning, Lord Jesus, and to be blessed by your word, and by the worship. Father, we remember all those that were mentioned this morning, David Martin, Jesse. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Josiah, thank you, Father. Velma, this morning, Lord Jesus, all the ones that are on our hearts today. Eugene, Lord, we pray for him. And we lift him up and 
lift his family up at this time. We pray for every home that's represented in this place today. And we ask your blessing to be upon each and every one. And as we depart from this place, Lord, your spirit stay with us. Your anointing stay with us. Your love stay with us. And Lord, that we will be a shining light for you. In Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Amen.